welcome to another edition of Making Money. The financial coach, Ron Hebert, is standing by as today we delve in to the semiconductor industry. And Ron, you know, coming from the broadcasting industry as I did, I've seen all kinds of electronic devices over the years. And to this day, I mean everything, our appliances, our automobiles, entertainment devices, everything requires a chip. And in this last couple of years, because of COVID, that supply chain has been disrupted, hasn't it? Supply chain's been disrupted. And of course, because more people have stayed at home and bought more electronic devices, it's put extra pressure on the uh, semiconductor or chip production industry so that we've had supply shortages and that's led to all kinds of problems. It's, it's trickled its way down through the supply chain. And a lot of people, Gord, don't realize how big an industry this is. Well, it's, even huge. In two, it's huge. Yeah, even in 2020, which we were affected globally by the pandemic, the, all the chip manufacturers globally produce 1.4 trillion, that's trillion semiconductor chips, the value of which was $580 billion. And the chip industry is the fourth largest globally traded product in the world. It's right after oil, motor vehicle parts, and refined oil products. So it's huge. And I didn't realize this, but cars today are packed up with up to 1,400 semiconductor devices controlling everything from your airbags to your engine management and electric vehicles utilize even more of them. So, you know, as we look into the future right now, it's estimated that 22% of global GDP is generated by the digital economy. And I expect that to grow. Well, they're talking about talking refrigerators and talking ovens and everything else. That doesn't work without chips. So the growth, no. the growth side is there all right. Yeah. And, you know, you look at virtual reality and like you were just saying, the Internet of Things where your refrigerator talks to your oven. And then you have artificial intelligence and autonomous driving and machine learning. And you add all these things up and, you know, you're looking at uh, growth in this sector that by 2035 is expected to be 60 percent bigger than it is today and reach one trillion in sales literally by 2035. So uh, one of the reasons we're talking about this today is not only is this the growth sector, Gord, but many of the tech stocks in this sector are down up to 40 or 50 percent. And that's because people are thinking there's a recession coming. And so is the worst priced in? Well, I'm not sure. But typically, you know, drops of this magnitude have the pros starting to nibble around the edges and take positions. And we had a listener. He emailed us a while back and said, would you guys do a show on this? So it's taken me a while to put it together because it's a big topic, but here we are today. And so if you do have questions, it's just a reminder, make sure you send them in to us. We'll get to it uh, as we get to it. Sometimes it takes three or four weeks uh, for us to do all the research. But if you send us a reasonable request, uh, we'll get back to you with the show. Okay, so let's break this down, Ron. Um, it's semiconductor chip, so we can all picture one in our minds, I think. But they're they're used in so many different applications. So do we break it down by sectors? Yeah, it's interesting because um, I didn't realize, I always thought computers were the biggest sector by far, but they're not. Smartphones use up a quarter of all chips produced. 
personal computers, uh, 20%. Servers and data centers, all the places in the cloud where we store this stuff, is 15%. Industrial electronics is about 12. Consumer electronics, 10. Automotives is 10. And uh, wireless infrastructure, all that infrastructure around us that supports telecommunication, uses about eight. So uh, right now, smartphones are the 800-pound gorilla in the room. So what uh, are we talking about different types of chips, too, right? Because there, there are a, a myriad of them, I think. Yeah, there's logic chips, there's memory chips, and so there's a whole different food chain that allows you, if you want to invest in this sector, on how to do it. So we're going to talk about makers of silicone wafers, designers of computer chips, manufacturers of logic chips, manufacturers of memory chips, assemblers of chips, and the makers of equipment that actually uh, provide you with the tools to make the chips in the first place. So there's a lot of different ways to play this sector. And what we're trying to do is I'm just going to give you an example of each. So, you know, these shows are designed to broaden your mind, give you an overview on a sector if you're interested in being in it, and give you some examples of usually the, the biggest or the uh, companies in the industry that are considered to be the benchmark in that industry. So, you know, if you went back and looked at our shows from the very beginning we started doing them in, in 2019, and you'll listen to every one of these shows on a weekly basis, you would have information on, um, you know, about 30 or 40 different sectors of the economy that you can invest in and how to invest in it. You'd have information on financial planning. You have information on, on strategy. You have information on taxation. You'd have information on different products like ETFs and mutual funds and how to invest in those things. So really what we're trying to do in these shows is we are trying to give you a complete financial education. So you'll not only be able to go out and, and look at the big picture, but you'll have the skills to be able to make the investments as well. So this show is designed to give you a complete financial education if you listen every week. So right now, with where we are, I mean, the markets have been uh, whipsawing, I guess would be a good expression for it. They've been up, they've been down, they've been back up. So where are we in the cycle with relation to, to chips? Is this a good time to be looking at them? And if so, let's get some direction on what we might want to peek at. Well, the semiconductors are cyclical. In other words, uh, their earnings follow the strength and weakness of the economy. And so... You can use that to your advantage. When the economy is really strong, they tend to flourish and their earnings grow and their share price follows right along. But when the markets aren't doing so good, there's worries of recession, like we're seeing right now in Europe and China and North America, and you get a slowdown. This is actually a good time to be investor because this is one of the few times you actually get to buy things, Gord, um, where you can actually purchase something at a very realistic price. You're not overpaying for it. Now, these are called cyclical stocks, and they require some patience. So it's not like you're going to go out there and buy them today and be the, 
the person who flips out of them by one o'clock or two o'clock at the close of the market. Now, if you buy them and you give them a year or two or an investment cycle, which is often considered to be three and a half, four years, uh, you can make some very considerable money in cyclical sectors if you buy them when they're cheap and then when the economy starts taking off and these things blossom, you sell them. Now, if we go back and take a look at, at the sectors we've talked about, um, a maker of silicon wafers, for example, uh, a good example, and just to show you how globally diversified this industry is, is a company called Siltronic, which is S-L-L-F-S-L-L-F. It trades in the U.S. It's a German company that makes the silicone wafers. They're the building block for chip development, and the stock is trading at six times earnings. You know, so we have everybody this, that makes chips has to have one of these, right? That's everybody that makes chips has to have the wafer that um, the the electronic circuits are are printed on are printed yeah. on exactly. Yeah. And so here's a company that's one of the and most of these companies, frankly, there's there's not hundreds of companies that do these types of things. Actually, the 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 number of companies at each step of the production stage is very, very limited. So in many cases, globally, there can be five or six major names that do these types of things, and that's it. So you're looking at virtually a monopoly in many cases. Okay, designers of computer chips. Now we got the wafer. Now we're going to put this thing together and make a, a new device. Yes, Qualcomm which is the 800-pound gorilla in the room when it comes to designing chips for, for headsets and mobile phones, uh, QCOM, and it is a California company, and it trades at 12 times earnings. It has a 2% dividend. So you can see these companies used to be really high flyers, and the current um, recession or bear market that we're in has pushed these stocks back so they're, I'm not saying they're, they're bottoming because I just don't know what the future looks like over the next 12 months, but they're starting to get cheap. So you want to get some names, get your eye on them and watch them closely because there can be some very good opportunities for you here. Okay, what about logic chips? That, and that's the whole process of these things is, you know, you're talking about your car, like when you, if you have a backup camera. As soon as you put it in reverse, that the logic chip says, okay, show me what's behind me, right? <laughs> yeah, the, these, in a simple way of defining it, logic chips are sort of the brains of electronic devices. And the biggest manufacturer of logic chips is a company by the name of Taiwan Semiconductor. Um, they're trading in Taiwan, so you, I guess you have a little political risk if China decided to take it over. It's trading at 17 times earnings, has a 2.3% dividend, and they are one generation ahead of Intel, which is uh, sort of North, one of North America's leaders. So uh, they're looked at as being the benchmark for anybody that's designing logic chips. They're considered the world's leader. You know, if, you, <clears throat> if you're a fan of big buildings, <clears throat> excuse me, Ron, uh, uh, playing golf down in Phoenix a few years ago, there's an Intel plant down there. It's, I think it's in Scottsdale. It might be in Tempe. It's one of the biggest buildings I've ever seen. Intel's making a lot of stuff, aren't they? Intel's making a lot of stuff, and uh, they announced this morning, at least I read it this morning, that 
they are doing a joint venture with Brookfield Asset Management, and they're going to build two facilities in Arizona to design and manufacture chips. And the total cost of just those two installations alone over the next few years, the price tag on them is $30 billion. So you need deep pockets to be in this business. And that's why it squeezes a lot of the smaller players out. Because, uh, frankly, with technology changing, you know, every year, these things get smaller and they get faster, that you need really, really deep pockets to compete. What about memory chips? We all know that, uh, you know, you buy a device and it says, oh, you got 16 gigabytes on this little thing, you slide in there or whatever. So who, who looks at that? Oh, Micron, and here again is a U.S. company. Uh, they're one of three global companies that can both design and manufacture memory chips. And so they're one of the three big players. The symbol is MU. They trade in the U.S. And this company trades at seven times earnings and has a 0.8%, not 8%, 0.8% dividend. Okay, you mentioned that when we started talking about this sector that there's all these different components. Then there's people that have to put these together, right? Like the assemblers of chips. Yeah, if, if, if you want to use uh, a chip in a process that, or a manufacturing good that you have, often you'll have to assemble it with other chips so that it's completely functional to do all the different things that the device you're making requires it to. That requires assembly. There's a company of Taiwan again, ASE Technologies. The symbol is ASX, trades in the U.S., and this Taiwan-based company has the technology that integrates separately manufactured components into a higher level assembly. And here again, you know, this company alone has 30% market share of this niche, which is huge. They're trading at six times earnings and have a yield of 5%. That sounds like a good one. Okay, so now to, to get this stuff together, somebody has to make these things to start with. Is, are there makers out there that we can look at? And this is the area where North America and Europe have a stranglehold over China. And this gives us some leverage over those guys because uh, they are they're generations behind making the equipment that can manufacture chips. They're starting to manufacture chips, but they're not nearly the quality of that or the level they are in the West. And they're far behind making equipment that allows companies to manufacture these chips. ASMO, ASML Holdings, and the symbol is ASML. It uh, trades on NASDAQ. And this is a company here again uh, that is based in the Netherlands that makes equipment to manufacture computer trips. They're fairly expensive, but they're growing dramatically. They're 37 times earnings and have a 1.4% dividend. So there you have it. It's not just the designers of chips. There's all these different sectors or routes that you can get involved if you want to play the computer chip sector or the semiconductor sector. And many of these companies are uh, reasonably priced. It's going to be interesting to see how cheap they actually get here as, we, as this, we roll through this recession. But these are some of the names that will give you a start anyways doing your own research on how to play this sector. Okay, so again, let's just recap the strategy here. These are cyclical, right? Yes. So you want to buy them when they're weak and sell them 
when the economy turns around. This means that they should be bought at the trough of the cycle and sold at the peak. And chip stocks aren't typically buy and hold candidates. These are the kind of stocks that you want to trade. All right, there you go, the semiconductor and chip industry. One that, uh, well, dominates our lives. You may not realize most of the stuff that is around you has these things in it. So that's, it ain't going away, right? <laughs> it ain't going away. All right, we're back next week with another edition of Making Money. We're going to talk about something we, we mentioned off the top, Ron, that this this show came as a question from a listener. We invite you to, to send us questions at makingmoney.ca is our website or through cfcw.com and we'll get to it. The next one is one that... Uh, you know, I got a little bit of a personal history on this with a relative, and people have talked about annuities, so we're going to drill down on annuities next time around, right? There's lots to learn here, isn't there? Lots to learn here, and there's times that annuities are extremely attractive, and that's when interest rates are high. And so uh, we'll talk about uh, what to look for, some of the features of annuity. We've got a whole show lined up to give you an education if you're in this market. Uh, and it can be a very good product. You just have to buy it at the right time. So we're back next week with the financial coach, Ron Hibbert. I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll join you then. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.